Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago Sports. Chicago Sports is The Score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The Score! Jalen is a premier player. Jalen Johnson. Johnson knocked it out. Jalen Johnson with the Charles Tillman style peanut punch. He's definitely balling, man. Starting cornerback for your Chicago Bears. We be busting him. Takes you inside the locker room after every Bears game. Broken up by Jalen Johnson over the middle. And Johnson is having a day at cornerback. You don't hear Jalen Johnson's name mentioned with the best corners in football, but there are a lot of reasons to think that you should. And today's another example of that. Jalen Johnson with Parkinson Spiegel on 670 The Score. Jalen Johnson, kind enough to join us. All of his appearances this year brought to you by Horizon Therapeutics. Jalen with us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline. Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. What's up, Jalen? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's the start of your offseason? Oh, great, great. Right now, looking at some palm trees, a little beach. So, I mean, I can't complain too much. Yeah, good good, good for you. You go west or east? Where'd you, where'd you go? Uh, well, east of Chicago. Uh, I'm in Miami right now. All right, good for you. I, I, I didn't know what beach. There's there's palm trees on both coasts, man. I wasn't I was I wasn't sure where you went. Oh yeah, yeah, no, I haven't I haven't took it all the way west yet. I'm on the way tomorrow. All right, good for you, man. Good for you. How um, so how exit interviews are a weird thing. Like how how did how did uh, how did your your when you when you left Hallis Hall for for Miami, uh, what were your last conversations like? I mean, honestly, for me, they were all pretty good. I thought like it was just one of those things where everybody kind of, I feel like, I don't want to say got rushed, but I feel like the season went by fast in terms of, like, getting the coaches, he, well, getting the GM first, getting Ryan, getting the coaches, and everybody just jumping in, trying to learn the defense, trying to learn each other. And then we're going through OTAs, mini camp, camp comes around, and then we're facing San Fran, and then we hit a losing streak, and we win the game, we hit a losing streak, and then it's like – Everything kind of just went fast. And I feel like there's a lot of emotions, a lot of ups and downs. There wasn't too much time, really. I feel like to get to know people because everybody's trying to, everybody's trying to be successful in their own way. Everybody's trying to prove a point. Everybody is, has all these things to prove. And I feel like kind of the exit interview for me, I feel like gave me an opportunity to kind of control, have like a controlled environment, and also kind of just talk about some things that could have went better, or some things that I feel like we weren't necessarily on the same page about. Um, so I feel like, I mean, my exit interview kind of just was along those lines, just kind of getting on the same page, just kind of clearing the air of any, 
of anything that I guess shouldn't shouldn't be there. And I feel like just for us to create a healthy environment moving forward. Because I mean, of course, we can talk X and O's and how we can get better. I feel like that's the extra interviews weren't about weren't about that. I feel like it was more so about how guys feel internally. Um, so I feel like it was just a, a good healthy environment. I feel like everybody had an opening ear um, to what to what I was saying, and then kind of talking to other guys what what they were saying. So I mean, I feel like the extra interviews. Depending on, I mean, almost depending on who you are, I feel like it can either go really good or depending on your, your conversation can go maybe not so not so good. Yeah, did, uh, I mean, any any specifics that you're willing to share? I mean, because Matt Eberflus said at the press conference that he and Ryan did at the end of the year, he was like, we, we wanted feedback. We wanted to know, you know, everything from strength and conditioning to the cafeteria to – the meetings, like they, they said they wanted to be told where they could do better. So a- anything specific you're willing to share? <laughs> um, no, nah, I'm not going to share what, what my conversation looks like. Okay. Um, but I feel like more so just for, just for the guys as a whole, I can give you a broad overview. I feel like it's just more so for us, just like wanting to, I feel like not even the players. I feel like for me, every, everybody around the building, I feel like there's a sense of a level of respect as a level of, love and care that you that you should move about like throughout the facility and I feel like there were certain areas I feel like can be a lot better hmm. um and I feel like that was kind of one of our biggest themes just like everybody wants and needs to feel valued and everybody needs to have like a sense of love and a sense of trust within everybody in the building to where everybody can go out and do their per- their individual job to a certain level or to that high expectation that that we have and that we want so I feel like that time there's a lot of second guessing each other and people not really trusting or knowing where they stand with somebody or how somebody truly feels about them. And I feel like it's hard to go out week in and week out for 17 games, regular season games, and then trying to make a playoff push when there's in a sense, not a level of understanding of what's going on. And there's not a level of love throughout the, throughout the building. I feel like the, the great teams and the better teams have that. Um, so I feel like just overall, that was something that we want to, that we want to work on to, to do better. I feel like as a staff and as players, just everybody throughout that building as a whole. Jalen, how do you feel looking back on it that they did in terms of explaining to you what the reasoning was behind trading Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith in back-to-back weeks? Uh, I mean, honestly, I didn't really talk too much about, about Rob. I mean, honestly, it just – it all makes sense to me. I mean, I didn't need to really talk to anybody about it. And as much as I didn't want it to happen, I feel like it was kind of obvious. Um, just in the fact that I feel like the Roquan situation, I feel like we all knew what that situation was heading into the season. And yeah. them not coming to an agreement on whatever the contract um, details were. And then I feel like it was one of those things where it's like you can either trade them and try to get some picks for them or try to get stuff back for them, or he's gone at the end of the season. We don't get nothing back. So, I mean, that in itself makes sense. Um, and then I feel like in terms of the Robert Quinn situation, I feel like it's somewhat the same thing again. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, do you, in a sense, let it walk or do you try to build for the future? So, I mean, I feel like everything that we're doing is more so building. So, I mean, I feel like both moves made sense. And I did, but clearly I didn't, I mean, like it in terms of an X and O standpoint. Cause I mean, those, those guys are dogs that impacted the game, but I feel like from just an organization standpoint, I feel like it, they both, both of those decisions made sense. How do you, as we're talking to Jalen Johnson here, it was a weird season, man. Like, you guys finished with a 10-game losing streak. You won three games. You have the number one pick in the draft. But there is a lot of optimism among fans because of, you know, Justin and because of the cap space. And 
all of those sort of things. Like, it wasn't a good year. I can't imagine you would say that because of the losses, but do you feel like the organization is heading in the right direction? I mean, I would say so, hell yeah, because, I mean, we don't have – there's not too much further down we can go, I mean, from this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, I mean, honestly, I feel like there's definitely some some optimism and definitely some things that can definitely kind of – for you to reflect on, like, mm, okay, like, I can – I. I can believe in this. And I feel like there are certain organizations where it's like you just play bad and it's like, man, I don't know what direction like we're going to go in. Like, no, I feel like there's a clear direction that we're going in. I feel like just even just this year, really just establishing who we wanted to be at the football team. And now I feel like, like you said, having cap space. Um, I feel like them really finding something that works um, with, with Justin and I feel like having that belief in him, I feel like is really big for our future moving forward. Us having that number one pick even if we do have that or even some things that we can do with that trade and get some more first round picks or get some other picks somewhere. I feel like the future is bright in terms of everything that's going to get brought into the building. Um, so, I mean, that definitely is an opportunity. I feel like it's just all about execution now from this point and just really going out there and getting the right guys, whether it's the draft or free agency. What do you think about the idea? Cause you guys are on, you know, every ESPN and Fox talking show is going to be talking about the bears and the number one pick and what to do with it. What do you think of the idea of the Bears actually drafting a quarterback at number one? I ain't gonna lie to you. I almost feel like that's a waste of a draft pick. If you if you let me tell it, I don't know. This is like for me. I I don't know. I I just believe in Justin, so I feel like in a sense, like I don't think there's another quarterback in this draft that is better than Justin. If you ask me, but I mean, I don't know. Maybe if somebody else believes that there's a savior in this draft class at quarterback, then. I mean, hey, but I mean, for me, I'm I'm all marbles in, all chips in on on Justin. I feel like it's not his abilities. I I think it's more so about what you what you put around him, the offense that you put, what you kind of create with him. I feel like that challenges people versus just oh taking it easy way. I'm trying to blame it on him and certain things like that. Now I feel like even for him talking to him, there's some things that he wants to be better at and do better, and kind of some things that he felt like he didn't do so good at but I feel like in terms of we're talking about pure talent I think he has all the intangible I think it's up to the staff to bring the right people around him and then to also have the right scheme and to believe in him I feel like even talks like that or whatever's going on in terms of oh bringing a quarterback like that doesn't that's not going to help him perform any better I feel like just more so believing in him and then showing through actions of kind of just that faith and like I said just operating throughout through, throughout the building with love and things like that I feel like if we go all marbles in on Justin, I don't think he'll 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 let us down. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, man. Uh, you know, you you study the game so much. I love talking to you about it. Like uh, the idea of you said building around him, right? Supporting him. Uh, the Bengals were forced with a choice: like, do we draft Jamar Chase or do we draft Panay Sewell? They draft Jamar Chase. They end up in the in the Super Bowl. There's you you have to game plan defensively against the top offenses and the top quarterbacks week in and week out, what do you think are the things that make it your job more difficult? Like when the other team has an awesome offensive line or awesome receivers, and I know you're a cornerback, so you would maybe say receivers, but just what what is the best way to go about supporting a quarterback in your mind? Ooh, I thought that's tough. Um, I think it really just depends. I feel like it's not either one or the other. I feel like it kind of depends on the combination of, who you think you can get in free agency or things like that in terms of, I feel like if there's O-linemen that are going to be coming up in the free agency, you feel like you can 
piece away some things like that, I feel like then, yeah, it makes sense to take a receiver. But I feel like if there's a no O-line that you think you can get or if there's no receiver, then I feel like you got to – I feel like it just really depends on the combination, like, of your team. I feel like if you already feel like you have some hope in somebody at wide receiver, like, I feel like for us, like, I feel like we have Mooney and I think we need, we need somebody – some more pieces along alongside and in that in the offense, I feel like to make it even more explosive. Um, but I feel like it really just depends, like really just who they who they believe in. I feel like I, for them and the Bengals, I feel like they believed in Jamar Chase to come in and really make that offense go to the next level that it, that it did, and that they were going to have a solid enough O line to allow him and Joe Burrow to really to go to work. And I mean, I feel like Jamar doesn't get all of what he gets without, I feel like, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I feel like they have – they already had pretty good wide receivers. I feel like it was just that piece that added and took took them to the next level. So, I mean, I feel like it just really varies for, for different people in different situations, what they feel like they can get, who they feel like they can build off of. Um, but, I mean, honestly, for – I mean, I don't know. I feel like the game has just turned into having game changers, and I feel like a wide receiver is, is an instant game changer if he can come in and have that production like – a Jamar Chase, like a Justin Jefferson, and people like that. I, again, completely agree with you. We're talking to uh, – I, but I, I'm biased towards the skill position, guys. We're talking to Jalen Johnson here, Parkinson Spiegel on the score. Man, I want so, – so we talked to you after that Eagles game, and we know you were real banged up, uh, but it was such an incredible watch to see you go all over the field with uh, A.J. Brown. You said you had never been a part of a game where you had been targeted that much uh, at any level, and you followed him left and right, the whole thing. The next three weeks, you guys had Stephon Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Justin Jefferson. Do you think you were going to follow the number one going forward if you would have been healthy? Ooh, I, in my heart, I want to say, yeah. I mean, that's what I would have asked for. Um, so, I mean, just to give you a short answer, I definitely, I definitely would say, yeah. But I, I don't know, honestly. And I don't know. I, lo- I don't want to say this, but I, I, I have to say it. I, I love Amon Ross' game. I have a lot of respect for him and that family, but I, we got to stop. I don't, I don't think it's right to mention him with those guys, with the Stefan Diggs, with Justin Jefferson's. And I don't know if I, that just level is so, I don't know. I think that's just totally different. Now, he's a great player, but I feel like, it, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like even like guy, like he plays more so on the slide. He's not like a true, like wide out, out wide, number one wide receiver, like straight, like, I don't know. I feel like it's just it's a different game being on the inside, kind of moving out and all those all those things. And I feel like he gets a lot of targets for them. I don't know. I just feel like he's not in that <laughs> in that tier. I think of of wide receivers. When you mentioned Diggs and Justin Jefferson, like those guys are breaking records. Like that's a lot. Like I don't I don't know. But no, that's fair. That, that's that, that's, that's so I I was just looking at your schedule and naming the number one guy on the team. But you're right. There there is definitely differences there. Who do you think the the toughest cover is in the NFL? If you had to give me one, there, I can't. I can't give you one. I can't truly give you one. Um, Tariq Tariq Hill always going to be up there for sure. Um, I feel like it just depends on how you play them, because I feel like a lot of a lot of times if you're just going to zone guys or double team guys up the whole time, then I feel like I mean nobody's that tough of a cover. But I feel like just on an island, they're always going to say Tariq Hill, Devontae Adams. Justin Jefferson, um, Diggs. Um, I'm even going to throw Jamar Chase in there. Um, Jalen Waddles, he's blazing speed too. Um, who else would I say? Who else Cup? would I say? 
Yeah, he's on the inside though. But that's what I'm saying. It's different being on the inside versus on the outside. I feel like yeah, inside you have option routes. You can fake block and go. Like there's some tricks in, that you can have on the inside. That's why I, I don't know. I feel like inside guys don't get as as much I think credit as the outside guys do. Um, but Cup is definitely really good. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm more so speaking for outside wide receivers. How would you grade your season individually? How would I grade my season? Um, I feel like when I'm healthy, I feel like dominant. Um, I feel like I only had two games that I would – I don't want to even say want back, but that I would say I wasn't myself in, and I know I wasn't healthy, um, 100% healthy in those games. Um, and I thought that was the Miami and Detroit game that were back-to-back. But um, other than that, I feel like I was really dominant. I didn't really get – I hardly got any targets. Right. Um, throughout the beginning of the season. And then I feel like really then, I feel like then that's when I had some time to, to get my hands on, on the football and break some passes up. But I feel like it's really hard to get in the rhythm to get opportunities when it's one of those things where they only throw the ball when it's a safe throw. And I feel like that was kind of my season for – I feel like almost 80% of the games where it was just like, okay, well, we're not really going to mess with him unless the, it's the obvious throw to make. But I don't know. I feel like, I feel like coverage-wise, it was very dominant. I feel like for me, again, I feel like I've been saying this for three damn years now, but I just got to find ways to get more ball production. Um, and I feel like if it's maybe I have to change how my – not even change, but make some adjustments to my style of the game if I need to play more off coverage or if I need to – I don't know, just really evaluate how I can get more ball production. Because, I mean, I feel like coverage, coverage ability, I feel like I, I have that 100%. I feel like it's just trying to find ways to come up with interceptions. I feel like at the end of the day, I can't, I can't force the quarterback to throw the ball my way all the time like the Eagles game to where I can get four PBUs and things like that and get stats that way. But, I mean, just trying to find ways to really get the ball, whether it's like I had a peanut punch in San Fran and didn't have another one. Um, I feel like I can try to find more ways to do things like that or, um, I mean, really just trying to get an exception. I know that my biggest, my biggest downfall that people can say right now is that I don't have, well, I mean, shoot, I really only got one interception in three years. I thought like that's my only downfall. Um, but just really trying to find ways to do that without forcing them and, and getting beat too much. Yeah, did you uh, – did you was your exit interview just with the coaches or did you talk to Ryan at all? Because I know last time we talked to you, you said you wanted to be with the Bears and move into a bigger house. I'm wondering if uh, you and Ryan had any conversations. Yeah, I mean, him, Pose, and, uh, and Flus, they did the exit interview. They were in there together. So, I mean, we just kind of talked um, – well, I talked to both of them um, moving forward and just different things like that within the building. But, I mean, I wasn't in my – Exit interview, starting off some, some early negotiations. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, but you you expect to at least have that be broke. I mean, you had an you had an awesome year. There's a ton of cap space, and you're up for for an early extension. Like you you expect there to at least be talks this off season, right? Oh, no, for sure. I don't, I don't doubt that. I'm just saying in terms of the timing, I wasn't doing that in the exit interview. But no, nah, that definitely is something that. Um, I'm going to shoot for I'm going to push for I know my agent is on the same page as well, I don't think, and I'm very sure Ryan is well aware. Um, and I feel like there has to be some plan or some talks that he's already had or is planning on having. Um, so I feel like that's definitely a, a realistic option, just trying to 
see what he want, what, what is right uh, for the situation. Um, and really just move from there. All right, and, and how's rehab going? You feel you feeling all right, or how how we doing with the? I know because you were banged up in, with a couple of things. How we feeling now? Oh, I mean, I'm all right. Everything feels better when you're just sitting around on vacation. But I mean, really, just still working and um, just trying to do whatever I can, starting to do some mobility stuff with my hand and my finger and things like that. So I mean, that, that's positive. And then really just letting the rest of my body kind of just heal. Um, it just really takes my time off and then let my body get on its own and then kind of start back with some prehab stuff early in the offseason to get my body back right and kind of prime for training and then I'll start back up. But, I mean, really other than that, it's just more so the waiting game and just kind of healing it. Trying to heal my body from the inside out, take the, put the right things in my body and just let my body heal. Well, Jalen, man, thank you so much for calling in. Uh interrupting your time in South Beach, and uh, maybe we'll check in at some point throughout the offseason. But heal up, man. It's been awesome talking to you, and uh, we want you to be a part of the show again next year. So thank you very much for all your time and your candor, man. It's been enjoyable. Oh, yeah, sir. I appreciate you guys. All right, thank you. That's Jalen Johnson from South Beach after the season. Said uh, other than two games he'd like back, the Dolphins game and the Lions game where he wasn't healthy, thought he was dominant and locked down. Needs to get the ball production up, thinking about changing the style of play. Can't force the other team to give him targets. Expects there to be contract talks this offseason. He's always going to check me on something. Bristling at putting Amon Ross St. Brown in that conversation with those other guys. Could not agree with him more. I was just talking about the number ones. Like I was wondering if he was going to follow the other team's number one, regardless of who it was. But he said, you know, not the inside guys. I wanted the job for the outside guys. But, uh, you know, and also he talked about saying, giving them some feedback on feeling loved and appreciated and that there could have been more done uh, in that regard from the organization towards the players. Wouldn't give specifics, but interesting. You know, they painted such this unbelievably rosy picture of culture and all of that stuff that interesting to hear that uh, sometimes it wasn't totally reciprocated by the players. So anything you want to react to from Jalen Johnson, we can certainly get into and I know a lot of people still had thoughts on Kevin Warren we'll circle back around to that with Dave Wanstead at four o'clock Dan Weeder's piece is out I read it it's very good Dan will join us at five o'clock but uh, the solution to the problem that the Bulls have is one that I think is very very difficult it's coming up on the score 5.7 seconds left Bulls down 197 near hash mark Caruso to Zach Levine dribble drive comes up shooting foul line right no pulled down by Avdia and that's the ball game and the Bulls lose Wow. I'm speechless, Bill. He shot a two. He shot a two. They need the three. I'm, I'm, when am I missing? You weren't missing much, Chuck. Good call there by Chuck and Bill. How about Chuck Swirsky, by the way? Going to get recognized uh, at the next Bulls game? It'll be his 2000th NBA game? Put him in the Hall of Fame. Put him in the Hall. Good for Chuck, man. That's cool that the Bulls are acknowledging it. Do you think Chuck knows or, like, like their historian knew or, like, looked it up? It's like, counting those games and tracking it like that would be, like, when's my 5,000th show? Like, you know what I mean? I have, I have no idea. It was yesterday. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, man. Thank you for the celebration. <laughs> That's what that lunch was. <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, who remembers these things? Who counts them? I, I have no idea. Uh, how that works you know like Lawrence and I got into it a little bit it went back and forth he's like you don't make excuses for him I'm not making excuses for that last shot the last shot was indefensible 
I thought what Zach said afterwards did not make a whole heck of a lot of sense. The play call was for a three. He went inside the line. It should have been a catch-and-shoot three, even though there were a few seconds left, uh, just because he's better catch-and-shoot, and and the last one that he had was catch-and-shoot, and he was making it more difficult uh, than it needed to be, especially if he would have gotten the call. It probably would have been on the ground, and we'll see what the last two-minute report uh, says when it comes out, probably before we're off the air uh, today. It was clearly a foul, but it was a, it was an on-the-ground foul, and then they would have just had, you know, two, two-and-a-half seconds or whatever. Uh, it wouldn't have even been, you know, free throws. So it was, it was a dumb play by Zach. I just think that Zach catches too much heat because of the contract. That's why I, I think Zach catches too much heat because of his contract and because of what he isn't. And you say, well, because of what he isn't, that's why he gets hyper-scrutinized, and that's fine, but, and I've made this point before, you have to judge these things based on the information that you had at the time. The information you had at the time was, when Zach was healthy, he was top 10 in the league in scoring, he was 26, he's coming off back-to-back All-Star appearances, a three-point shooting contest appearance, a crazy efficient offensive season, And the Bulls had taken a leap. They were competitive. They were the top team in the league for 40 games. They were in the playoffs. And, again, he had been on a gold medal uh, Olympic team. He was getting praised from guys in Team USA basketball. All of those things. It seemed like a star on the rise. And he was the best player on the floor last night. He's an incredible offensive player. And you can't lose assets for nothing. There was not a sign-and-trade option, and Zach would have taken a four-year max with someone else if you weren't going to give him a five-year max. So you might end up needing to trade Zach Levine, but even if you trade Zach Levine, it was still the right decision to not lose a two-time All-Star in the prime of his career for nothing. So I think that covers the contract part. But then when he gets the contract, then you start focusing more on what he isn't as opposed to what he is, which makes sense because he was really bad the first quarter of this season coming off the injury. He was really bad. He was a huge part of the reason why the Bulls struggled their first 20, 25 games of the year. There's no de- there's no denying that. But it was a five-year deal. So I was never going to freak out over 25, 30 games, 20, 25, 30, whatever you want to put on it, uh, coming off the injury, given that it was this long runway. I think what happened to the Bulls is they had Zach, then they acquired Vooch. To give Zach an all-star. Then there were multiple COVID stints that shut those guys down. And them missing the playoffs two years ago after acquiring Vooch was a huge problem. The draft pick to the Magic got better. Wendell Carter developed. They drafted hit on Franz Wagner, who's one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA. Already at a crazy young age on a crazy cheap contract. And then... Vooch is helpful in getting DeMar because of their relationship. And Eversley's relationship with DeMar also was helpful, but Vooch was helpful too. DeMar said as much that he loved playing with Vooch and the USC ties and the whole thing. And so then it's like, okay, now you got Zach and Vooch, and that didn't work because they somehow missed the playoffs that year uh, with the COVID shutdowns and the whole thing. Then Vooch helps you get DeMar which is great because DeMar then has that unbelievable season, but they're not a great fit because your three top guys aren't two-way players, but now you are relevant and competitive enough that Lonzo chooses to come here, 
and Caruso comes here, and all of a sudden it's like, well, damn, now you got a pretty damn good team. Caruso and Ball is one of the best perimeter defensive duos in the league. Uh, Lonzo is a two-way player who fits off of the other guys who are not two-way players. And all of a sudden it's like, man, you you got something here. You don't have a team that's like the, you know, the Giannis Bucks. You don't have a team that's like the Tatum Celtics or the Durant, you know, uh, the Durant team in Brooklyn. But like you've got a you've got a squad that was competitive with all those teams when they were healthy, and you went from being irrelevant to relevant. And it made sense. And then it seemingly all fell apart. Because without Lonzo to be the defensive glue and the three-point shooting glue, the defensive uh, inefficiencies of DeMar and Zach and Vooch were exacerbated. And then neither DeMar or Zach were natural facilitators for other players. And so then Vooch wasn't as good of a fit. And then guy, and then Zach gets hurt. And it just started, and Caruso got hurt, obviously, last year. And it just started unraveling. And then you're stuck. And you don't have your draft picks, and you've got guys who don't fit together, and then the linchpin that was supposed to connect the whole thing is out indefinitely in Lonzo, and now you're in this no-man's land. And in the midst of all of that, Zach's up for a contract. And so, like, when I list out the problems with the Bulls, top three players not being two-way guys, uh, top three players not being a good fit, point guard being out indefinitely, trading away young assets to acquire those pieces, and then those young assets flourishing elsewhere, like Gafford, like Wendell, like Lowry, like the Wagner pick to the Magic. The the blame of that then gets put on the max contract guy. And the max contract guy deserves some blame. He deserves blame for not being an all-around player. He deserves blame for the weirdness around the knee rehab and everybody thinking he was going to play in the opener and then not, and not being able to play in back-to-backs. And there's, there's plenty of criticism there. But I just, when I think about the Bulls' problems, to me it's that DeMar and Vooch are aging and they don't line up. It's that Patrick Williams looks like he's never going to be special and Lonzo looks like he's never going to be back. You can build a championship team with Zach Levine as a cornerstone piece of it. You'd like him to be your second best player, but you would like your first best player to not be DeMar DeRozan, who's on the wrong side of 32. You'd let, you know, you want, if, if it was Giannis, if it was Luka, if it was Embiid, if it was Jokic, if it was KD, if it was LeBron, if it was prime Kawhi, Zach would be a great, as uh, Joe Cowley calls him, Robin to the Batman. The problem is that Batman's got some flaws too. DeMar's not a two-way player. But DeMar, because he's like so savvy and a veteran and gifted, he doesn't take any of the fight. But he's not a great two-way player either. Neither is Vooch. But I'm telling you, the best chance the Bulls have of winning, any, let's just call it a playoff series, is still Zach Levine. And I know the vast majority of you disagree with that. But the dude's 26 and an elite offensive player. But hmm, they are in some trouble. Can we just hear Billy Donovan? Let's hear Billy. He is um, he's at a loss for where they're at right now. Here's the Bulls coach after the game. You know, we need to understand how to come out in these first five minutes. And I think Zach maybe made the first shot of the quarter. Um, and then we got scored 41 to 21. And I think the last maybe two and a half, three minutes of the third, we got beat over the head on a free throw situation. And I think we turned the ball the three consecutive times coming out of the timeout. Um, just things that 
you're going to, you know, those are things that you, you, you're beating yourself with. What happened in that third quarter, you know, is, is, is not a standard of play that, He's going to put you in positions to win. You know, again, you know, we got out, we got, we got outscored by, you know, 20 points basically. And, um, you know, I mean, it's hard to you know, go on the road and get it beat by, in a quarter by 20 points. This is just me. You know, I feel like it's my responsibility at somewhat, in, in some way to bring light to it, to expose it, and for us all collectively to try to get it corrected. You know, and I've, I've said this before. Like you've done that. Yeah, no, and but we've got to. It's it's a mentality we have to have. I think that's what we've got to develop. Is this kind of mentality in these situations? Okay, coming out of the third quarter, let's try to make them call the first time out. Let's get some stops. Let's not foul. Let's not have breakdowns. Like let's not do things that are going to beat ourselves. What's the things that are going to beat ourselves? Turning the ball over, giving up second chance points, bad possessions on offense. And, and, and fouling, you know, there's things that you know you got to do, and you know, I called, I think, a quick timeout there, and you know, made a substitution. And and I, I would say this in fairness to the guys in that quarter, I think one of the things I felt this way again, you know, my, no one said this to me, this is just my opinion. The amount of layups we missed at the rim by a lot of people had a definite impact, I think, on our mentality, you know, coming. You know, going through the rest of the quarter, and and that's going to happen sometimes. You know, and we got to be able to move past those things. Um, but the disappointing part, the frustrating part, whatever word it is, is that we know what it is, and we've all got to get it resolved, myself included, with them. You know, to have that kind of mentality, and there is, you know, so to speak, that you know, people say killer mentality, whatever it is, but that focus and concentration. Of, okay, we just built a double-digit lead right now. These next four minutes, we really got to be locked into what we're doing here. And if we're going to lose this lead, it's going to be because they they get the lead. They did it. And it's not because we, we did some things. I think that they are just a bunch of mismatched pieces. I just... And you can blame Zach. And I'm not saying that, again, he does. he gets no blame. He just, to me, gets too much of it because of his contract. He is in the prime of his career. Vooch is not. DeMar is not. DeMar is playing great basketball for the most part. Not playing as efficient this year as last year, obviously. Um, but I still think there's a way to build a good team around Zach. I just don't think it involves the other guys that are paid to be the big-time players on this year's team or last year's team. If you told me Lonzo Ball was coming back in 10 days, I'd say ride it out and see if they can get healthy and see how it looks at the end of the year. But I'm not convinced that he's coming back in 10 weeks or 10 months. So I think that you're going to see them continue to occasionally beat a good team, lose to a bad team, hang out in this play-in series range, maybe, maybe a little inside of it, maybe a little outside of it, and I would trade Vooch um, and just start recouping some assets and start figuring out how to build around Zach and figuring out a way to get a hopefully a better player than Zach. But it's the the Vooch, DeMar, Zach experiment. They'll never win a playoff series together with the Bulls. I think that's over. And I don't think the biggest reason of that is Zach Levine. I think one of the most popular things we do on this show, though, is when I tell stories of my own futility. I'm not sure that anything really brings... Shane just perked up. I don't think anything really brings Speegs, Shane, Tanny, the mob, 
don't think anything really brings you all together more like stories of my failure. And I've got a doozy for you. That you haven't told us about yet. That I haven't told you guys oh, about yet. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Honey, you, cancel my calls. Yeah. This is, this is humiliating. Who's that talking to? You, you asked. There is no honey. Yeah, right. You don't yeah. have a honey. Sorry well, maybe one. Maybe one. Friday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Good morning, Shane. Yeah, we'll see. Up in Adams. We'll see. <laughs> you, you wanted to go the coy route there? Well, that's not what we do, Danny. All right, stories of my failures before Dave wants that next on the score. Parkinson Spiegel Show flashback. 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 Today was an embarrassing day. Steph is paying someone to come by with a snowplow, like the person oh who does the, the lawn service. I was like, oh, the guy with the snowplow is going to be coming in a little bit. And so I pulled my car out of out of the driveway so they uh-huh. could plow it. I went out there in slippers. I just like, br- I brushed off just like a little section of my window. So like the car was like, there was snow all over and I couldn't oh, see God. anything. It was super oh. dangerous to be driving. I drove onto the lawn uh. between my house and my neighbor's house uh-huh. and got the car stuck. And the nanny had to come out and help me push the car out of the snowbank. Marta? <laughs> She's in such better shape. <laughs> Danny, unfortunately, I, I think that he made a mistake. There are so many. It's so, like, bought a house, love the house, am not qualified to own a house. I'm outsourcing things all the time. It's just horrifying. And I've, I, I share these things. I share these stories. I share the story of needing the nanny to help me push the car out of the snowbank. I share the story of putting the Christmas lights up, but not checking to see if the Christmas lights work. So then finding out that half the Christmas lights are burnt out. I, 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 sh- I share these stories of half the burners on the stove, not lighting and not knowing how to fix them. I, I just, it, it's, it's mortifying. It's one thing after the next, after the, you guys coming by and uh, assembling furniture, uh, on, uh, Spiegs buying me a gift to like task rabbit just so I can outsource more and more of these things. It's it, it, one thing after the next, after the next, after the next. Yeah, you're incompetent. Right. We've established that. So. Oh, no. So, as I've shared before, Ooh. my dad passed away. Oh. It's, it's not easy. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's Rest not in my peace fault. and peace. No, thank you. But so my mom, by definition, makes her a widow. It's a sad thing. She's the man of the house. And she's dealing with it, and it's hard. And I don't think she would mind me saying it. It's, it's a transition. And my dad, certainly towards the end, was not doing much around the house. Dementia. Lazy. But, <laughs> but in their 36, seven-year marriage, he was the guy who did the things around the house. He was the Eagle Scout. He handled the cars. He handled the house. He handled the lawn. He did things. And so at her house, the thermostat, the thermostat was flashing change filter. And she calls me and she's like, can you help me change the filter in the furnace? And I'm like, yeah. Sweet brag about having a fancy furnace and thermostat, by the way. Yeah. They're in cohesion there. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, mom, this is one of the things I can do. I know how to change the furnace, the, the filters in the furnace at my house. I got you. Good. I got it. Good son. I'm coming over. I'm going to change the furnace filter. 
This is not going to be a problem. That indicator light, the flashing thing on your thermostat, is, is gonna, it's going to go off. Good. By the time I'm done with this. Yeah. I got it. So how off were you with the size of the filter when you got there? <laughs> nope. Oh. Nope. Could not locate the filter. Couldn't find it. On the furnace itself or at the store? On the furnace itself. In the vent, on the furnace, taking pictures, taking the door off, the one in the basement, the one on the main floor of the house, because it's a dual furnace, you know, so there are two different units. Oh, two furnaces, Danny. Dude, yep. My mom did well. <laughs> I can't find either filter. I can't find where it's located. So I can't tell you if it's like a 16 by 16, a 16 by 24, a 20 by 24. I, I don't know what size the filter is because I can't even look at it. I'm YouTubing. I'm Googling. I'm searching the, the model number of the carrier. Yeah. YouTube, where is my mom's <laughs> furnace filter? Dude, dude, I literally was there for 45 minutes staring at a furnace without being able to to even locate the filter. So I had to call an HVAC guy, and I'm like, sir, where's the filter located? He's like, it's in the, he said it's in the bottom door. He was like, I, I was like, what are you talking about? The one door that I can take off, there's no, there's just the motor, like the motor fan in there and some wiring. He's like, it's beneath it. I'm like, I don't know where it is. I can't find it. He's like, well, do you want me to come out and do this for you? I'm like, sir, it's a filter. I should be able to do this myself. I, I know the filter costs a dollar. You, you turn off the machine, you slide it out, you slide the new one in. What are you going to charge me to do this? It's like $75. $75 later, the guy came out and changed. I can't. I couldn't find it. You couldn't even find online the like the the manual for that original furnace to where it could, the diagram can show couldn't you where find, the filter is. Couldn't figure it out. Couldn't figure it out, man. Why? why remember, is it? You remember what kind of furnace it is? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the model number? See how quickly Tanny and I can find it. <laughs> I can probably search my Google history, uh, but this was from this past weekend, so it might take me. We'll move on. Yeah. That's why? Yeah. Why isn't this a question that? Like, this wouldn't require Tanny or I to come out to your mother's home. We can help with that over the phone. We would only charge you 50 bucks. <laughs> Dude, was, I was so embarrassed that I wasn't able to help my mother in this situation. I left her house in shame. I was, I was like, I've, what have I given back to this woman? I have given, I've taken her to some, some events Took her to the you know Rolling Stones concert, World Series. I've tried to repay her in some in some experiential things. You killed her husband, and then I and then she was I, pretty proud when you threw out that first pitch. She was proud when she I threw was. out the first pitch, and I've given her two grandkids that live ten minutes away. Oh, they're gonna say two grand. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> you use that. Yeah, and and with the new contract, I threw her two grand. Uh, no, and, and two grandkids that she is very proud of and gets to spend as much time with as she wants that lives ten minutes away. But like other than procreation, and that first pitch at Wrigley. I don't know. Did it, you find it? No. No. Probably didn't even have one in there. I don't know. It's I, so I can I can't even say that I can change the filter on a furnace. I can change the filter on the furnace in my house. 
I can't do it on any furnace. It's so mortifying, guys. Google, YouTube, phone calls, two different, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know anymore. I'm considering selling my house. (laughs) I just, I don't think I'm qualified to be an adult. I don't think it was meant for me. I don't know what it is. Am I getting killed on the text line and Twitch? I don't even have the heart to look. Not really. Just people want to know where the filter ended up. I don't know. I don't know. I'll report back. Is it possible it got sucked into the furnace? Probably had been a while since your dad had changed. It's probably really old. It had probably been a while, but but like I couldn't even find the slot where a filter would be. I couldn't even find a compartment. I could. I... So did you watch the HVAC guy? Look. No, I wasn't there what when he the came. Hell? I wasn't there when he came out. My mom did. So I, I, I yeah, my mom did. Did mom. she take a video or something? I think she did. I don't. Mommy, know. how do I change the filter? I know. <laughs> I know. Seventy-five dollars, not that much though. No, it's not. It, but but it's it was the principle. It was embarrassing. The guy, I don't think this is your worst. Not even being able to locate where it was on the machine? No, I, I don't think this is your worst. Okay. Oof. The snow, the car? The, the, the nanny yeah. pushing my car out of the snow? Uh, either that or... What was the plumbing mishap? That was pretty embarrassing. Oh, the um, the the tubing? Oh, the, the P-trap. The P-trap piping Yeah, that still got clogged? Yeah, that was bad because I didn't put the towel underneath it, and I just let a bunch of yeah, yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't put a bucket down. That was it. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, wow, you guys don't even think this is in the top two. No, this is the one that shamed me the most because the other ones just were my house. This is my mom's house. This was poof. Five hours to put together the train table might be up there. That was rough. Now the kid doesn't even like the train table. Dave Wanstead. He knows Kevin Warren. He knows everybody. He's going to react to this Justin Fields conversation around the number one pick. And I want to talk to him about who should win coach of the year. A lot of interesting candidates. Dave wants that coming up on the score. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.